This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into this holiday edition of the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as we have pre-recorded this edition of the Denver Stiff Show, the Thanksgiving edition. I am joined, after giving the day off to some of my co-hosts, I am joined by guy who is supposed to be here, Zach Mikosh, and guy who is new to being here, Mr. Gage Bridgeford. Guys, how are you doing? I noticed, uh, yeah, you give everybody else a day off, but uh, guy who's still supposed to be here, apparently. Uh, no love. No love for deputy <laughs> site manager. He's, this is the real the real grinder position here at Denver Stiffs, let me tell you guys. Hey, you know what? I'm okay with not having a day off. I'm glad to get to be here. I, I'm just I'm just excited to be here. I'm not here, so I won't get fired. That's you, Zach. <laughs> You're just here, so you won't get fired. That's it. That is a, a Marshawn take if I have ever heard one. Uh, Gage is new to the site. Gage, have you enjoyed your time with Denver Stiffs thus far? Don't have to, to lie to me just because I pay your bills. Just because you pay my bills, I'm not gonna lie to you. No, I love being here. Um, love the environment. Love the love the readers and seeing. Uh, and it's it's in, in, mm. it's great to get to go on there and see like 200 comments on an article that you wrote. And it's like, wow, that was that's that's kind of a lot because most of the time when you're writing for smaller sites or sites that don't per share your work as much, it just doesn't get out there. And it's good to see that people want to like people want to read it everyone here on the staff wants everyone else to be successful literally every time someone's like hey i wrote this article and it's doing well everyone's excited about it and that's what i love to see we have a, a really strong community and it's it's with the denver stiff staff it's with denver stiff's readers and listeners so again we want to thank you guys zach has been one of the main contributors in that he's helped kind of bridge the gap between what was stiffs what was stiffs and what stiffs needs to be going forward so again zach i i really thank you for that you've brought a lot of uh brought a lot of insight into this experience i for me. uh you know i i'm uh it's been fun to kind of be like the uh like you said, the bridge guy, like I'm just kind of like the, this, this caretaker now. Cause I was, I mean, I started, it's funny cause Gage was asking us today, you know, why, why did the name come from? Um, and I, I knew just cause like, man, I remember, I remember commenting when I was first starting, you know, or when this site first started, um, I was just commenting in the, in the comment section, like, like so many people out there do today, like Gage was pointing out. And then, you know, and then eventually started writing, uh, once Adam took over and then now, uh, still here with with you taking over ranch so yeah it's kind of like uh the shepherd if you will of the denver stiff site that's my new i would like to be site shepherd instead of deputy site manager that's the new title i'm going for <laughs> you know we could get that arranged i'll have seth paul get <laughs> right. right on that that's right. it uh, comes with <laughs> double uh money and <laughs> yeah <laughs> double money more vacation and you're now ryan's boss exactly <laughs> Oh, he's already my boss in secret. Don't even you don't even have to worry about that one. Uh, so okay, we're we're not going to focus like super heavily on the Nuggets and and everything that's going on in this first segment. I want to talk about Thanksgiving. I want to talk about what we're thankful for. I want your Thanksgiving takes. 
I this this has to be a relaxed podcast just because the Nuggets are doing great. They're really good. We don't we don't have to stress about it every every time. And I think that a lot of Nuggets fans are starting to learn that you don't have to look at each stat line and and stress out super much. Like unless unless you're betting on it, of course, but like this this team is good enough that they've that they've earned our respect, I think. So you guys, you're ready for some Thanksgiving takes? I am very ready. I am, Let's do I it. I am here for it. Hell yeah. So I, I want to know each of your stances on turkey. Is turkey overrated, underrated, or just right? I'll let Gage, I'll let Gage go first because I do have – I have some, some takes on turkey. So my take on turkey is um, – so I, as growing up, I was a ham person. Um, I realize that's going to be really controversial to a lot of people out there, and I don't really care. Come at me, at G. Richard NFL on Twitter. <laughs> I thought ham was good. I thought ham was juicy. I thought um, it was consistent because everyone knew how to make it roughly the same. It was the brown sugar glaze. Everyone got the same ham at, at the store, so there was consistency versus – turkey everyone cooked it differently everyone thought that their way was the best way and there was no consistency to it i didn't like it i wasn't a fan um once i got to college i went to the food court and they gave us on thing like thanksgiving week they or like the week before thanksgiving or whatever they would give us this little free meal ticket for a free thanksgiving dinner i went they only had they had turkey roast beef and a vegetable option or a veggie option and i'm like well i'll just get turkey i guess which so now that i've had turkey I stand by the statement that I think it's pretty overrated. Turkey tastes good, but it's not. Wow. I I'm sorry. Turkey isn't anything special. <laughs> it's 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 dry meat, dude. And people are like, well, that's just because someone didn't cook that's... it right. That's no. It's just there's not a ton of juice and not a ton of flavor to it. It's not like chicken where if you cook it well, it's really juicy and really good. Turkey can taste good. It's a protein. You need it on your plate. You have to have it at Thanksgiving. My family always did. We would typically do a – we had a big Thanksgiving between all the family that would show up. So we would do a baked turkey, a deep-fried turkey, and ham. And it was typically all gone because we were – there was a bunch of us and we were kind of fat. <laughs> so, you know, it was gone. It was a staple Who isn't to, at this point? It, it was a staple to have, and it's a staple to have at Thanksgiving. But I feel that turkey is overrated as a meat. <laughs> I think that people blow it out of proportion and – the government is in on it to just boost turkey sales. That's all it is. Wow. <laughs> great. There's a turkey conspiracy oh. going down. This is... <laughs> that escalated. This is right, yeah. <laughs> the takes got hot real quick on Thanksgiving. No, turkey... All so, right, yeah, Zach, Zach, you have the Listen, floor turkey, Listen, turkey is underrated. It's like the most underrated meat. By far, it's it's probably the, uh, the most healthy meat you can have that doesn't come... Um, from a body of water, right? Because, like, seafood's super, super healthy. That's why no one likes to eat it. But it's... Outside of that, yeah, <laughs> outside of that turkey, uh, and in terms of the land animals that you can eat, uh, it's like it's like the healthiest. So you got that going for you. It is super versatile. You can, uh, uh, if you don't want or you're watching your your weight, you don't want to eat bacon. What do you eat? Turkey bacon. If you're, um, I eat bacon. I'm an adult. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, if you um, if you you're not wanting to eat beef, but you still want to have a burger, what do you make? You make a turkey burger, right? That's like these. I don't. I I eat a burger because again, I'm still an adult. What is <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to I'm trying to speak to the um, you know, to the the more conscious 
health folks out there who, who want something, a healthy alternative, but still want to pack in the flavor. And that's what turkey brings you. So it's, I mean, and then of course, like Gage said, it's Thanksgiving. It's like I said, we got to have, you have to have Thanksgiving turkey. Cause when are we going to, when other time are you going to bake a whole turkey? Like nobody, nobody has time to do that unless you've got the entire family around. So you do it on Thanksgiving. It, um, it's, it's a staple in holidays. It's, it's a staple in a healthy diet. It's, it's the most underrated meat there is. And that's part of the problem, though. Why do you only make it once a year? It's a whole turkey. I have turkey sandwiches year-round. so much effort. You have turkey sandwich year-round. Do you, like, now are you talking like you have a lunch meat? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I go to King Supers. They can make that year-round, and I only have to buy it, you know, uh, in a neat packaged bag. And then one time a year. Sure, we'll we'll bake it. Yeah, because exactly. I'll, I'll so give you this. It's so good that you only have it once a year. I can have ham multiple times a, a year because it's better yeah, it, than turkey. It's the same idea. You're not like busting out a giant like you know ham shank every time you want ham. You're probably getting it from the deli, like sliced up. So I mean, I, I I'll give you turkey is. Uh, you can get smaller hams though. Like you've seen those little hams at the store, right? Like you can get yeah, a smaller ham. You can't get a small turkey. That's, that's GMO ham. You don't want that. <laughs> hey, I've this already been through definitely... this. I eat the bacon. I eat the burger. I am an adult. <laughs> I will eat the GMO ham. <laughs> this is this is definitely going in the podcast preview. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I Zach, I'm afraid to say this, but I kind of side with Gage here. I think that you should make your best meal, and that's that to me is the problem with with staples in general. Is that they're they're things that you only make once, so it's it's never usually the best the best meal that you make. When when gathering family or or hosting or doing anything like on on these special days, I think that you should make your best meal. Whether that's Italian food, whether it's enchiladas, whether it's uh, uh, I don't know a great a great stew or or a, I I love chicken tortilla soup. I think that you should make your best meal. It's and turkey just generally isn't something that people practice. But that's on very what you much. do. That's what you do at Christmas. Is you make your best meal. On, on Thanksgiving, we eat a turkey because that's what the pilgrims ate. They ate turkeys. Like I, I was going to write something else that I thought was pretty cool uh, for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Instead, I'm changing my article. Millennials <laughs> millennials are killing the turkey tradition at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> millennials are killing tradition is basically an evergreen tweet that's right it. there. Yeah, but Zach, you're trying to put turkey on everything and in everything. So that's why we're only so that's why we only want to do it once a year because we want to preserve tradition and you're trying to make tradition year round. That's not how a tradition works. That's just a routine. Well, it's tradition the, the tradition <laughs> is to almost burn your house down when you like try and deep fry the thing, all right? Like like the tradition is That's what you do outside. What are you doing? <laughs> Listen, th- those sparks fly a long <laughs> ways, all right? I'm telling you. This is uh you got to be careful. Be careful out there, anyone who's deep frying their turkey today. Yeah, be careful. Okay. Safety first. Don't d- d- don't don't burn yourself down and then blame Zach for. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Denver Stiffs <laughs> is not liable for any turkey-related mishaps. Oh, we we definitely weren't before. Thank God. <laughs> uh, so. I think that yeah, gravy is a must. That's a that's a, a staple for sure. But let's move on. Favorite side. I'm gonna go first on this one. I think a well placed mac and cheese is the way to go. I mean, you can't beat mac and cheese, right? Like it has to be it has to be done well. That that that's key because you can you can definitely screw up mac and cheese. But like, I mean, good mac and cheese. Like yeah, that's who who doesn't like that? Except for people who are like you know lactose intolerant, I guess. 
I mean, True. even if I'm lactose intolerant, I'm having <laughs> power through it. Some mac and cheese. At least on Thanksgiving, <laughs> like if no other day of the year, I'll at least power through it on Thanksgiving because I got Black Friday. Yeah, right. You got out. the next day off. You're fine. But but for does, me, does any of our does any of our side really compare? Like, is 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 mac and cheese in its own category or something? Mac, mac and cheese is great. Now I and I love I I'm very specific about the foods I love. I'm a very picky eater. I always have been. But mashed potatoes, when done yep. well, are an elite side. You can have them on Thanksgiving. You can have them with steak. You can have them with everything when they're done well. And they can beat mac and cheese because mac and cheese, there's going to be some inconsistency. But if you do, if you know how you're doing mashed potatoes, you can do them right. And you can do them the same way every single time. And the way my family makes them, we do cream cheese in addition to butter and they come out so good they're so creamy they're just i can't go i can't stop going back like we go until there there's none left it's unfortunate because it means there's no leftovers <laughs> but True. mashed potatoes uh, you, you gotta give done us... well beef uh, mac and cheese Zach, you got to be our tiebreaker here. What would you would you take mashed potatoes or mac and cheese? Uh, those like I was gonna say the one thing that could could actually compare um, with mashed potatoes or with mac and cheese would be mashed potatoes. I think those are like the two the two side staples, like in the middle, like coleslaw or something, but not necessarily for Thanksgiving. I would I would say I, I would personally I would go mac and cheese over mashed potatoes if I had to choose one. However, I want to throw out a, a curveball there. Um, the, shout out and and most people are gonna hate this take, but like the green bean casserole, man, like with the the French's onions, like that is a a, yeah, a, a key take. a key symbol. But listen, listen, here's <laughs> here's the deal. You, you usually make it with cream of mushroom soup. Instead of doing that, make Alfredo sauce from scratch. You can't you can't buy like the jarred stuff. Make it from scratch. Use that instead. Ugh. it is it is like the number one Thanksgiving side there is. I got That's into this hilarious. debate with I've... someone about green bean casserole today, and I I'm, I just think it's people being lazy. What? Honestly. <laughs> honestly, I just think I think all you did was put a bunch of stuff into one pan, and you popped it in the oven and said, oh, look what I made. No, you didn't. All you did was put everything in a bowl how, and said, I did this. How is that any different from mashed potatoes? Because mashed potatoes take skill. you got to <laughs> make sure all the lumps are out. you got to have the right amount of cream cheese and butter and salt versus green bean casserole where you're literally just most of the time you're reading stuff straight off of the box yes you can sub out your cream of mushroom for your alfredo sauce but all you're doing you ever, is reading directions off of have the you box. ever made a cream reduction sauce in your life gauge like do you understand the skill no because i i am an adult but i'm not as quite elderly <laughs> as right. you are there Zach. Man. i've not made okay okay simmer down here now we've enjoyed simmer gage's down. contributions at denver stiffs he's no longer show, with us yeah but we, we must <laughs> let him go now uh uh show some respect to your elders bro uh God, I hate what you is guys the so much. what is the most overrated side gage if you say green bean casserole i swear to god this is it. <laughs> I'm not going to say green bean casserole, though I do feel it is overrated. I am leaning more, like, I love corn, so it's not corn, just because I think corn's a staple and it's got to be there. For me, I think the most overrated, like, side is, especially at Thanksgiving, is the cranberry sauce. I've never understood it. I don't, I don't get why it's there. I'm convinced that it's only there, similar to turkey, it's just there because people are like, yeah, this is what they do at Thanksgiving, is they make cranberry sauce. 
I don't get it. I don't think it's good. I don't understand the point of it being there. So cranberry sauce would be my most <laughs> overrated. I don't. I don't see the point. That's Zach. um. It's not a bad take. I would disagree because I like cranberry sauce. And but I, I would agree. Like the only time I ever eat cranberry sauce is is at Thanksgiving. And the only time, the only reason I've ever ate it was like, oh, I guess that's what we do. But it is delicious with turkey. Um, I would say I'm gonna go with sweet potatoes because it's like one. I hate sweet potatoes. They're like the most disgusting in the world. Love that's this good take. take, but good take. but right, but like, like also like we already have mashed potatoes, so now we have to have sweet potatoes too, and it's. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, you can you can throw a bunch of stuff in there, I guess. Like, like people make them with like marshmallows and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm um, I'm out. I'm fully out on sweet potatoes, and they they seem like they're such a staple of Thanksgiving. So I feel like they're extremely overrated. Give me the marshmallow without the sweet potato casserole. Honestly, like that's that's the great take. That is the take. I think there there is no other. You can you can hem and haw about green bean casserole and various other dishes and whether corn is really necessary. But but sweet potatoes is is definitely the one that has to go. It's not the sweet. It's not the best sweet thing out there. Right. And it's definitely not the best potato out there. So hundred percent. Uh, did one you just of, okay. say that corn doesn't need to be there? <laughs> it, it's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but about did you just say whether that? it has to about whether it has to be there. It doesn't necessarily have to be there. I definitely it does. It has to be there. Corn is delicious, and it is it's so I versatile like it. of a hey, side. Like it goes with so many things. But when you're when you're filling your plate, when you're when you are generating your Thanksgiving meal. How what like how many dishes do you go deep before you think about getting corn? Um, corn is uh, it's uh, so my plate. Well, and honestly, I think we should save this until later to plan out to make an ultimate plan of what your attack is. But corn is on that first <laughs> tray. Like if I'm getting up one plate and I get one plate only, corn is on that plate. If not, like corn will be there. Man, I disagree. I, I I really disagree. Zach, is it on there for you? Uh, we don't have corn uh, at the Mikosh house for Thanksgiving. That's corn is like a July Fourth of July thing, right? Like that. I, I, I see. I kind of agree. I I think that that's that's the the right call. Okay, best dessert. I I mean, I'll just I'll just throw it's pumpkin pie. It has to be pumpkin pie. Come on, like and again. All right, I'm sure Gage is gonna come with the take. We only need pumpkin pie once a year, and it's at Thanksgiving. We just do it for Thanksgiving. But I'm telling you, like. <laughs> Pumpkin pie is delicious. It's amazing, and it's it's a classic with a little bit of whipped cream on top. There is no other right answer for what is the best Thanksgiving dessert than pumpkin pie. I'm not going to argue whether or not pumpkin pie is the best dessert. I'm not going to say it doesn't have to be there or we only do it because it's Thanksgiving. I'm not arguing that. I'm not a huge pie slash dessert person in general, but for me, my favorite dessert especially on Thanksgiving is uh, my cousin always makes like pumpkin roll or spice roll. I know it's called a billion different things. It's like that little roll with like the cream cheese or whatever in like filling inside yep. it. I love it. It's uh, great. Yeah. yeah. That's my, that's my favorite dessert. I, and my cousin made it loved how she made it. Didn't want anybody. I'm like, nobody else bring anything. Just bring me like three of those and I will be on my way. I am not a big pumpkin flavor guy. Though I will have pumpkin pie if it's like the only option out there. That's that's perfectly reasonable. I'm actually like I I like a good pecan mm-hmm. pie. That's my that's my jam. I think it's sweeter. It's it's got a nice little little texture there. Um, that that's the one that I usually go for. I feel like the, the pecan pie is almost it can be too sweet because I I mean I I really like it, but like after like two bites, I'm like, all right, uh, th- this is a little too much for me. 
Yeah, but I also go with the the chocolate cream pie. That's ah, a that's hey. a that's a good one too. You cannot beat the chocolate <laughs> I'm, cream. I'm going further away. <laughs> okay, so we're we're gonna take a break now. When we come back, we're actually gonna talk some Nuggets. They've been they've been really good. I've really enjoyed watching their games, even though they're a little boring. Not gonna lie, they've been they've been sleepwalking through a couple of them, but but they're thirteen and three. They're really good. We'll talk about them when we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. back this is the denver stiff show i'm your host ryan blackburn joined today by zach mikosh and gage bridgeford had just a spirited amount of thanksgiving <laughs> takes to start the last segment uh don't don't get them started on turkey tomorrow uh mikosh and bridgeford families uh, we are going to talk about the nuggets now because the nuggets are really good they're 13 and 3 through what is now 20 percent of the season uh, Denver has one of the, the lower number of games played, so other teams have played 17, 18, sometimes 19 games at this point. But the Nuggets, they've, they've played 16, uh, 82 divided by 16. We're, we're going to call that 20%. They are the number one ranked defense so far this year. Uh, the players are giving Gary Harris a lot of that credit. Do you think Gary Harris I'll, – I'll start with Zach here. Do you think Gary Harris is deserving of the first-team all-defense love? Uh, I, I mean, absolutely. He's been he's been the Nuggets' lockdown defender on the perimeter, and they've used him in multiple positions. You know, we've seen him guard small forwards, we've seen him guard shooting guards, we've seen him even guard some point guards um, in a couple of occasions. So he's he's been their go-to guy. You said it yourself, number one defense in the league right now, and when you've got uh, a defense that's performing like that, it usually comes down to a couple things. You usually got uh, somebody down low who's doing a good job of of uh, protecting the rim. Paul Millsap kind of does that for the Nuggets in, in a less traditional way than what you're used to, but that's that's really the role that he serves. And then Gary Harris is the guy out at the perimeter, which is another big part of, of any good defense is you've got to be able to stop dribble penetration. Every team has got a guy out on that perimeter somewhere who is a scorer, who is a ball-dominant kind of guy who is going to really engage and, and start their offense, Nuggets being one of the few teams um, excluded from that, but they, for the everybody, most part, everybody is going to have somebody. Their best guy is going to be out there on the perimeter. Nuggets putting Gary Harris on there, and he's shutting him down. So he's he's one hundred percent deserving. Will he get it? I mean, we'll see how the season goes, and also he's got to fight the, the the stigma of being in Denver and and the East Coast bias. So he might not get that recognition, but he's definitely deserving of consideration. What about you, Gage? Um, I think he's definitely deserving of the rec- like of the recognition. He's been probably one of the top. He's been, I think, their most consistent defender throughout the season. It's been him and Millsap. Barton has shown a lot of growth this year. Murray, right. especially, has probably grown more than anybody else on this team. Sure, on the defensive end of the floor. Like I, 
just I mean, obviously we saw the other night he was picking IT's pocket like every few times down the floor. He got a number of deflections, a few steals. Um, I think Gary is definitely going to run into the issue of the East Coast bias, though, because the West Coast is, is and plus he plays in Denver, which is not exactly the biggest market. Right. I think that he's like you said, he can match up with ones, twos or threes. Um, which is not something that a lot of guys can do. He's got the quickness of feet to be able to do that. I think that he is going to run into the issue, though, of there are a lot of good defensive guards that have a bigger name than Gary does. Like you got Marcus Smart, Jimmy Butler, um, let's see, uh, Patrick Beverly. All these guys have th- – that's just three guys. They all have that name recognition. Gary get, gets the identity of it when you think about the Denver Nuggets, but he doesn't get the name recognition. His name isn't just first off your tongue when you start talking about the best defenders in the NBA unless you watch Denver on a regular basis. Totally agree with that. I think that there's there's definitely merit to being the driving force behind a defense. And and you can see that with guys like Rudy Gobert, with guys like Marcus Smart. Like Those guys are really massively impactful defenders and and it's very visible what they do what gary is doing has has largely gone unnoticed by the national media particularly because they don't cover them but the nuggets aren't thought of as this elite defensive team even though they are that's that's just not the not the general sentiment around them at this point and it's also arguable that Paul Millsap is as impactful for Denver's defense as Gary Harris is because of what Paul Millsap does to protect the rim behind him. Uh, Nikola Jokic is also grabbing as many rebounds as he does, and he he plays great positional defense on guys like Joel Embiid. So I think Gary is going to be penalized by not being a west coast guy or an east coast guy because when when you look at teams like the philadelphia 76ers ben simmons can take a lot of that credit for what they've done at the guard position and joel Embiid can take a lot of credit for what they've done at center rudy gobert is obviously going to be a center uh probably the next defensive player of the year again Giannis is credited with the milwaukee defense very clearly Patrick Beverly is going to probably take most of the credit for the Clippers defense, even though. So you, I, I think well, Kawhi hey, Leonard and Paul George might take most of the credit there. Just, just throwing that out there. Uh, honestly, I I don't agree with that. And they may be better defenders. I actually think they are definitely better defenders. But whenever you're looking up, the the opposing team's guard is always defended by Patrick Beverly. Like that's that's James Harden. That's Whoever sure. they want to put on them. Sure, now, they, but uh, but I guarantee you, if if the Clippers play the uh, the the Rockets in the playoffs, James Harden's going to get Kawhi Leonard on him, right? I mean, that's 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 how they're going to play. Agreed. But he's also load managing. He's right. also in that position where he's he's not necessarily taking credit for all eighty two games of the season. Where Patrick Beverly's that dog, and, right? And Drew Holiday's another guy who who I think is in New Orleans who's going yep. to get credit. This doesn't take away from what Gary Harris has done, though, because I think what he has done has been excellent. I I posted a stat on Twitter today that said the difference between his expected field goal percentage allowed and the actual field goal percentage he allowed is the largest differential in the NBA right now uh, of anybody, of anybody who's defended 100 shots. And that's that's Marcus Smart. That's Joel Embiid. That's Rudy Gobert. That's Kawhi Leonard. That's any of those guys. 
And he, he has to get that credit because I think he deserves it. I, I was talking about this in the locker room uh, last night when everybody was shouting first team at, at anybody who wanted to listen. Gary Harris is the guy that the Nuggets credit with being the most impactful defender. Even if it's Paul Millsap, I don't think Paul Millsap really cares. I think Gary Harris is getting the credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, I... um. Uh, it's it's just, I don't know I mean it, it's t- the thing about Gary that that's going to be be hard for him too to overcome is the stigma of just uh, the the Nuggets in general because like there <laughs> we've never been a, we've never been a defensive team right George Carl is not a defensive team um, they Nuggets under Michael Malone have not been a defensive team up until this year Doug Moe they were not a defensive team the nineties like nobody wants to just remember in general. So like this is this is I think another thing that he's got to get past is like the stigma of oh he plays for the Nuggets like they they don't play defense they're going to try and run you out the building and score 130 points every night that's that's what they do they they play at altitude so uh, I mean we'll see it, it's and, and you bring up a good point about I mean Paul Millsap like he he's got the reputation right and and he's been around the league and and recognizes one of the best defenders in the league for a long time so if people see. Uh, this defensive improvement, that's naturally the first place they're going to go. Say, hey, well, Paul's healthy uh, really for the first time since he's been in Denver, and and that's what's what's causing this. So, I mean, it's 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 I, like, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm fully on board that Gary Harris is deserving of it. I, I just, man, I, I have a hard time seeing him get it. Yeah, it seems like it's everybody's usually one year too late on these things. Right. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if, if they're in a position where he does deserve it, but he's not actually going to get it until next year after people have already seen what he's done. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's move on to the offense because I think that there's still some things to talk about there. Uh, it looks like things are moving in the right direction, but I still think that there are questions. Uh, the starters have been really good overall offensively. I don't think that's been really an issue uh, Jokic has not had to stress his personal scoring. I, I was thinking about this when people are talking about MVP candidates and how Jokic is definitely Denver's MVP. Like it's it's not even it's not even really a debate. No no matter what the situation and no matter what he's doing, but he he's, there are, there are a lot of times from game to game where he doesn't take that credit, and I think a lot of it has to do with the scoring. Um, but. When you have Will Barton and Gary Harris, uh, not Gary Harris really, but when you have Will Barton and Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap playing as well as they are offensively, Jokic doesn't necessarily have to step up in that regard. So my question to you, and I'll start with Gage, should Nuggets fans be worried about Jokic not scoring? Should they be a little bit concerned that he's at 16 points per game right now? Or is this just kind of the early season Nikola Jokic that people have seen in the past and he'll turn it on later? So here's what I'm gonna go with on this. So I've been a lifelong, I've been a LeBron fan since he entered the NBA. I've always liked the work that he does. I've always just, I don't, not important. LeBron, if he could have it his way, would play exactly like Jokic is doing, but he's just never gotten the opportunity. Jokic sees sees the rest of his team going off. Jeremy Grant had 20 points the other night. Jamal Murray had 18, 20 points. Will Barton had. 16 points he sees that the rest of his team is doing all of this stuff and he's like well then what the hell do i need to exert myself for i just played over the summer for fiba for serbia i 
played more minutes than any ever before in his career in between the regular season and the playoffs last year. He was averaging like 40-some minutes per game during the playoffs. He's getting to average only 31 minutes per game this year, knowing full well that they're planning to compete in the playoffs. We talked before we got on the podcast that if the game had gotten to about 10, like it almost did the other night, he probably would have been back in the game. The team understands that it's not about the regular season anymore. It's about the postseason. They've been, they got there once. Everyone's like, yeah, they only won one series, and they should have won a second one if they didn't lose two games to Portland, including one at home. But they, they, they've been to the playoffs. They get what it's about. It's about getting past the regular season. Now the regular season's just, who cares about the regular season? Like the, it's about the playoffs. It's about winning championships, and it's about making sure your guys are healthy. As long as Denver is winning, who cares what Jokic puts up? Jokic could average five, five, and five, and if the team went on a twenty-game losing streak or winning streak, who would care? And if you do care, even though Jokic is, even though the team's winning, Jokic can still do the, those things. That's not a problem. His, he still can do everything that we've seen him do over the past three or four years. It's just that a matter of he doesn't have to do it anymore. Will Barton's healthy and playing well when he was looked at as an afterthought. You guys talked about on the, that on the podcast on Saturday, I believe it was, that that he didn't need to do or like Will Barton wasn't healthy. Will Barton was an afterthought in the rotation. Now he's a start. He's starting well. He's playing great defense. He's playing both ends of the floor. You got Paul Millsap is leading the team in three-point percentage. Jamal Murray is a, is turning into Kobe Bryant over here with his with his ability to close and play in the clutch, like I wrote about a few weeks ago. Jogic doesn't sure. need to do all this extra stuff, and so he's like, "Fine, you don't want. I don't need to do all this extra stuff. I'm not going to. I'm going to do what I need to do to make the team win." That's why he had 20 rebounds last night. The guy had a near 20. He had 20 rebounds in 25 minutes. He was gobbling up everything on the floor. They were like plus 23 or 24 in rebounds by the end of the night. And that was with that's because of what Jokic did. So I hear you. If you're afraid of Jokic because he's not scoring and whatever, fine. But just relax. Just take a deep breath. He can still do it. He just doesn't need to. Totally agree. Um, Zach, your thoughts on Jokic, and, and we'll take it more from a national media perspective on this one. Yeah, I mean, he. Um, I, I totally agree with Gage in, in that, like, this is what you want, I think, with Jokic, honestly, if you're looking at it from a team success point and, and a winning uh, winning championships point. Like, Jokic, we, we've seen teams take this strategy against him. Like, the, you don't want him shooting the basketball if he doesn't have to. Like, he's a good shot shooter he's a he's an offensive um playmaker but i think he's at his best when he's just taking whatever is the best option possible so a lot of times we've seen teams have been like well we're gonna we're gonna make it so that Jokic is gonna we're gonna leave him that shot right at the either whether it's a three-point or even just a, a mid-range jumper and and he's had some pressure on him to hit those shots and and necessarily hasn't necessarily converted 
if you've got it now to where like, well, he's finding Will Barden, he's finding Paul Millsap, he's finding Jamal Murray and, and getting these guys in positions to score and they're scoring 20 points a game, you know, then and he only has to score 16 and get eight assists or whatever it is like you'll take that all day long as long as when you're 13 and three all day long. That's that is the the Jokic offense working at its peak now on a national media perspective like, yeah, that's. That's gonna hurt him because what what do we know? Like national perspective is 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 the counting sets, right? People want to see him average twenty points, fifteen rebounds, um, and seven assists, and and that's you know those are like kind of close to his playoff averages. That's maybe what you get in that moment, but he's not gonna do it throughout the season because that's what the not what the Nuggets need to win, and that'll probably hurt him um, in things like the MVP voting or you know offensive player of the year or whatever on on first team All NBA, but. That doesn't matter to Jokic. That's never mattered to Jokic, and it shouldn't matter to the Nuggets fans. We're not, we're not here to get MVP awards. Like we're not like the, the Denver Nuggets have never made the NBA Finals. That's got to be the goal. Like that's that's what we're here for. And, and then if we get there, we want to win. Like so, who cares? I'm I'm with Gage. Who cares uh, what Jokic's counting stats are? We know he's he's the the key to this offense and what makes the team work. And and if he's getting scoring less and playmaking more or doing just whatever the team needs on any given night. That's exactly how he wants to play. That's when he's at his best. So calm down, Nuggets fans. It's fine. Who cares if the national media doesn't give us the attention? That's that's just Nug life, uh, and we're used to it. So I'm, I'm good. I'm good with how Jokic is playing. One question about it. What if that prohibits Jokic from being an all-star this year? Oh, I don't care about the All Star Game at all. Like, it's the that it's such a. I mean, come on, man. Like, who's who's the uh, you know, who's the guy that's gonna end up? We're all gonna have to worry about. He might end up being starting because, like, you know, half a country ends up voting for him. Maybe it will be Jokic, and, and he'll get in because because Serbia will carry him. But like, I mean, the All Star voting is just a popularity contest, and Jokic doesn't care about that. And I don't, I don't think really the Nuggets fans should either. The one thing going against the popularity contest. Is didn't it wasn't Doncic like voted as a starter last year and then he wasn't even on the All Star team, so well so here's here's uh, he wasn't quite voted as a, at a, as a starter but he was voted over a lot of other people. Uh, it was James Harden and Steph Curry who were voted okay. as starters last year okay. at the guard positions. I think that was where he was classified, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I don't think he was voted as a starter, but he was really close. Okay, and, I knew he and was you, close, and I just what I never, I guess I never checked. Well, the uh, the the thing where that comes into is is where a, if a guy like Yao Ming was right. was being voted into All Star games, Jeremy like, without having played during the season, or if Kobe Bryant was being voted in right now, right? Like that's a that's where you start really thinking about that. But at this point, I I mean I agree with you guys. I I would be offended if. Jokic and and in the Nuggets were not represented at all in the All Star game. Uh, if I if I was a Nuggets fan because of how they have played, because of what they have done, uh, Jamal Murray is probably capable of putting up better numbers than he is. 
but he's limited like he's limited because he is deferring to what Will Barton is doing and what Jokic is doing. And Jokic doesn't have to put up those numbers because of what Paul Millsap is doing and how Denver's defense is performing. And so I, I do think that those things kind of cancel each other out, but I, I think Nuggets fans should be a little bit concerned, not necessarily annoyed or anything, but they should be concerned that or at least informed that Nugget that the Nuggets may not be represented by an All Star this year. I think that there's there's a real reason for that. Well, and you talked about too about how sometimes like on Defensive Player of the Year, uh, it takes people a year to react, right? That that could be a similar scenario where if if Jokic isn't putting up the big numbers, um, and he doesn't get in, but then the Nuggets go on and and make the finals, like he'll, he'll then he'll be in right for the next like four years in a row. Uh, so like that's. That's just kind of the thing. The Nuggets are one of those teams that they've got to prove it on the court. And they did a little bit of that last year. They really did. But uh, nobody's here. Nobody's hanging banners for, for second round um, playoff series, right? So, like, they've, they've got to still – they've got work to do. And I think if they can do that, if they can start, you know, really getting into that conference finals um, and potentially NBA finals range, then – then that's going to change the perception on them, and then the the stat lines won't matter as much, and they'll start winning some of these popularity contests uh, and getting getting things like you know all star bids, defensive player of the year, uh, or f- first team all defense stuff like that. Yeah, and and not to mention he may average a twenty point triple double in December. Like we right. we don't know how this is going to go, and and he has been known to take November a little bit slower throughout his career, actually. So it wouldn't surprise me if things kind of change around a little bit but I, I just wanted to talk about that because I think it's important I think that the the national media has given him crap for being fat when I don't necessarily think that's the case I think he's not trying as hard because he doesn't have to and the nuggets are winning regardless so either way uh Let's, let's quickly move to the bench before taking another break. Uh, the Nuggets are rotating their bench shooting guard and small forward like constantly right now. Sometimes it's Torrey Craig, sometimes it's Malik Beasley, sometimes it's Michael Porter, sometimes it's Wancho. Uh, do you think that the Nuggets are doing the right thing by rotating those guys and not coming up with a kind of a set group? I, um, you know, it's, uh... I, normally I'm like, no, like I would not be a huge fan of, of doing this. I'm a pretty big believer in, in a set group of guys and that's who you roll with. But you know, it's made sense. Like it's worked. Like you played Tory Craig against Houston. That was the right move. You needed him um, against Russell Westbrook and he did outstanding job. And then uh, you've put in, you put in Beasley, right? And then what, who is it? Who's it? They played that Beasley had the big fourth quarter. Um, uh, well, Washington, what, and, and he also did Phoenix. And Phoenix, yeah, right. That was the one I was thinking of the Phoenix game, right? And that and that worked. You needed you needed a spark on offense. Um, Beasley gave it to you. Michael Porter Jr. is is probably the more like long term plan. Like you want to get this guy's minutes because you want him to continue to work through um, playing at the NBA level. And and he's he's just not there yet. You can see the flashes for sure, but he's you can also see you know you can also see the the lapses. Um, are pretty obvious as well. So that's a guy that like you, you, but when you can find minutes for him, you, you want to get it for him. And then Wancho has just been, I mean, he's your energy guy, right? He's the one who comes in and it's kind of like your Swiss army knife is, is doing whatever you ask of him. And is just giving your team a boost in terms of energy when they're let, looking a little flat. We've seen him uh, contribute that way. So I, I'm going to, until it stops working, 
even though I, it's not something I would normally go with, like I'm, I'm cool with it because like coach Malone has, he's really done a great job, um, balancing those guys and nobody's spoken up. Nobody's totally upset yet. Maybe, you know, maybe some guy, I'm sure some guys aren't happy that they're not getting consistent minutes, but like that's the NBA. So, um, for right now, like I'm, I'm cool with it. Gage, what about you? I'm okay with it. Um, I am a big proponent of the phrase. I know we've all heard it before. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, Malone realizes that he's going to have to have a lot of different lineups. He's got to make sure that he's got lineups for every single team. And what did I talk about just a couple minutes ago? It's all about the playoffs. When the playoffs come, the rotation shrinks, and you have to know who's going to be in your rotation and who's not. If he's not experimenting with lineups now in November against teams like the Washington Wizards and the Phoenix Suns, I get that the Wizards have been better than expected, honestly, and the Suns have definitely out, or outperformed expectations. When who, when are you going to experiment? You're not going to experiment against the Lakers next week. You're right. not going to get crazy when you're going up against the Clippers. You're You're trying to figure this stuff out now against teams that you can do this stuff against. So that way you don't have to worry about it when crunch time happens. When they get up against these good teams, they're going to be like, oh, we already know exactly how we're going to play this because we worked on these lineups three months ago. So I'm okay with it. I think that um, I think that players are getting chances to develop. You're getting chemistry with different guys. We're getting to see different guys work together. Like We got to see a lot of Jeremy Grant with the starters the other night, which I was a huge fan of because I talked about before the season – how I wanted to see a lot of Jeremy Grant with the starters because I think it can help preserve Millsap for the playoffs and it can unlock the offense. Granted, yes, we haven't seen as much um, playmaking from Jokic, which is kind of what my thought process was behind it. But I think that that helps. I think those that lineup variation is not something that every team is going to have and it's not something that every team is going to be able to defend because what is that that lineup variation further do it makes you harder to defend because more teams are like okay how are we going to defend this lineup and then they focus on stopping one lineup and then Malone's like you know what you stopped that one fine I'm going to throw three other ones at you that I know you haven't done anything about I do agree I think that the the playoff point is really big here the Nuggets I think I think they know they have eight guys that they want to play in the playoffs it's the five starters Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley. I think that those are the five guys that, that Michael Malone really trusts and wants to trust in those situations. Um, maybe maybe Plumley's on the outside depending on the depending on the team, depending on the, the situation, but that's that's the main eight. And then you're probably looking for one more guy, a ninth guy, and you're rotating between four different candidates here. And that's a that's that's a Tory Craig for a defensive situation like against Russell Westbrook. That's a Malik Beasley for extra shooting and, and running. That's Wancho Hernan Gomez for extra spacing and and Jokic happiness. That's that's Michael Porter Jr. if he if you think he can take you over the top. Uh, to to your guys' point though, I don't really think it has worked. The the starting lineup has been elite. It's been the best starting lineup in the NBA at, at least in terms of plus minus. And the every other lineup the Nuggets have have tried out has has been a little bit worse than that. And not not to say anything bad about Monte Morris, Mason Plumlee, and Jeremy Grant, but they've been the constants in all of these lineups, and they they haven't really worked to their fullest potential so far. So I, I'm still a little bit concerned, and I think that the Nuggets should be a little bit concerned 
if their starting lineup is has stops performing to the utmost ability, if if Paul Millsap stops shooting fifty percent from three, or if Will Barton cools off a little bit, or or Jokic just doesn't doesn't get it back, I think that there there could be some worries there. There could be some there could be some potential problems. But again, they're thirteen and three. We don't really have to worry about it that much right now, and we'll just have to see where it goes. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we want to round up with the normal questions, player of the week, player who needs to forget the week, and some other interesting thoughts. We will be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bridgeford with Zach Mikosh. I'm Ryan Blackburn, your host. All right, guys. We only had two games this past week that that I'm really counting for this: the Phoenix and the Washington game. Who's your player of the week? Who do you think stands out as a guy who deserves that honor for this week? I'll start with Gage on this one. Um, my player of the week is it's gonna be Jeremy Grant. Uh, I just I think that him going out and having that 20 point game against Washington was exactly what we've been expecting to see from him. And it was that I mean that's what I've wanted and since I since it was announced that he was coming there, that's what I've been excited to see. I think that this will help him get rolling because his offense has been hit or miss for the most part through the first month or so. And I was just I was glad to finally get to see him rolling and I think that this is just gonna lead to more for lack of a better term, more good stuff. Like, I just think more good is coming from Jeremy Grant, and I think that the team's only going to benefit from it. Zach, what about you? I, um, I'll go with Will Barton. He has been really been playing outstanding, um, all season long, but had another, had another solid week, uh, for the Nuggets this week. Good games against both, um, Washington and Phoenix. He, he's been, he's kind of been one of those guys who's just, uh, you know he's he's taken like we've talked about so much, taken so much load off of Nikola Jokic, and has really been a player who's stepped up for Denver and and made a big difference in in this year versus previous years where maybe Jokic or Murray has had a slow start. Like it hasn't mattered um, because Will Barton has has been outstanding, Paul Millsap's been outstanding, Murray hasn't had a slow start, which has offset Gary Harris, but. Really, uh, really for Will. Also, his defense has been has been phenomenal. He did a really good job, I thought, against Kelly Oubre. Um, who's that? Gosh, who's the who's the rookie who plays for Washington? Um, uh, Hachimura. Rui Hachimura. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rui. There you go. He um he also struggled pretty uh, pretty mightily and and had quite a few times where he ended up um getting getting switched out on 
on Will Barton. So I, I thought he, he's just, his all around game has been fantastic throughout the season. And, and we really saw it this week. So he's my player of the week. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go with Barton too. I was initially going to go with Gary Harris because I think that he has continued to stake his claim. As we talked about in the second segment, all defenses is a real thing. He helped lock down Devin Booker and Bradley Beal this week. Both of those guys had pretty bad games. Uh, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm going to go with Will Barton, though. I think he deserves it. I think that the the overall production that he's had on both ends of the floor has been staggering. It's honestly just a such a drastic change from where he was last year, and even in years prior, where he was productive. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't necessarily feel as impactful in his last in his last seasons because he was he was just kind of accumulating points as a six man, uh, accumulating some assists because he was a ball handler. Uh, but this this year, he, it really does feel impactful. I've I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Barton so far. Okay, who do you think is the player that needs to forget this week ever happened? Uh, you want me to go first, or yeah, you go first. We'll alternate. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I will say uh, Michael Porter Jr. is probably my guy who I'm picking um, this week. Looks like he has maybe now fallen um, a little bit out of the rotation. He he got he got some minutes against Phoenix. Didn't really, though, have much of an impact. Ends up with a DNPCD against uh, Washington. And it, it seems like Malik Beasley has kind of uh, coaches reinserted um, Malik into the line. From the top rope. Yeah, from, from the top right, rope, exactly. Malik Beasley. Exactly, out of nowhere. Um, and, and Malik and Michael Porter Jr. kind of give you similar things. From that bench standpoint, though, that's the guy you're looking to provide you some spark, give you some shooting, um, be kind of an offensive creator when stuff breaks down. So it's it's tough now for 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 Michael Porter Jr. because it looks like he's once again on the outside looking in for the rotation. So he probably wants to forget this week. Gage, what about you? Um, well, I was hoping you were going to say anybody else, but for me, it's Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> and for a lot of the same reasons, uh, I think that he fell out of the rotation and I think a big part of it was his defense and his defensive lapses. Uh, I think yeah. that Malone, I mean, we saw late in the game against Washington that Malone was, if Malone left the floor angry and you would have thought that Denver had just lost by 15 he, like, he just looked angry, he looked unhappy, and it was because the defense wasn't there. Malone, as much as the team has been an offensive identity for a while, he clearly has his expectations for the defensive end of the floor. The team wasn't meeting them, and Michael Porter Jr. has been struggling with them since he got into the rotation earlier this year. And Malone's like, fine, if you're not going to make the progress that I want to see from you, you're not going to be in the rotation. Beasley may not be bringing that defense, but he's at least bringing consistent offense and energy, which is something that Porter wasn't doing. And uh, Beasley, even if his defense isn't as good, he at least somewhat knows the scheme better than Porter seems to do. So I th- so Porter, for me, I think it's just he's got to have a short memory. It's just all about learning at this point. He... He can't take this personally. He, I remember in an interview he did, I can't remember if it was right before the season or if it was right after the season got started. He's just got to be ready, and he said, I've never dealt with this in my life. I've always just been in the lineup. Right. That's not how it's going to work. He's on a team. He's on a deep, deep team. I was talking to someone about this at tonight at dinner that if he was playing on a lot of bad teams, he would be starting for them. 
right. because they would want him to just get reps and reps and reps. He's not getting that, and he's just going to have to deal with it. That's just how life is. Be ready when his opportunity happens. Take advantage of that opportunity. That's just that's just how life is going to have to be for him. Yeah, it's 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 a really tough situation for Porter and for Malone too because he has an obligation to play the guys that are going to give him the best chance to win but also develop a guy who he knows is not as good as the guys they do give them the chance to win. So, it's been it's been a tough situation. I'm going to go with Porter too just because he he certainly deserves like it's it's unfortunate that he's been the worst guy, but he has been the worst guy right. and and whether it's whether it's because he doesn't remember the plays offensively or know where to be or whether the Nuggets aren't necessarily doing him any favors by putting him in shooting guard. I think that it's probably a combination of the above. I would like to see him play more with Nikola Jokic and in in situations where he can handle the ball a little bit more because it, it just appears that he's more comfortable when he gets to touch the ball a little bit. So if, if the first time he touches the ball is on a weak side, like lift up on the backside of a pick and roll by Mason Plumlee and Monte Morris three minutes into the game or into his stint, then that's that's a problem. You want you want a guy like that to feel involved, to feel like he's a part of things. And I don't think that the Nuggets have done the best thing for him. We'll see how it goes going forward. They they do have bigger and better things to worry about going forward. So it's it's again, it's a tough situation all around. Um a quick okay. thing, do you this does he give you any vibes of Brandon Engram? Uh, because, so, I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the Pelicans at all this year. Brandon Ingram has been straight balling out. It's been and great. And he's finally gotten the ability to just handle the ball. Granted, he's, obviously, he's older and been around longer than MPJ has, but he's getting to handle the ball. He's getting to attack the rim, use his length and size and whatnot to his advantage. And MPJ's kind of not gotten that he doesn't really get to handle the ball a ton which is why i feel like whenever he does get touches he gets so so he shoot locked me. in he's like i gotta shoot because i'm not he does because he doesn't know when he's gonna get the ball again and i think right. that ryan goes to your point of he doesn't know necessarily when he's gonna get his touches so he's trying to be uber aggressive when he does get them and i think that that's ultimately hurting him in the end and i think and I don't know what Denver needs to do. I think that he just needs more time to get acclimated to the NBA speed because he's got so little mileage between barely playing at Missouri, not playing at all as a rookie, not playing in the G League or not playing in summer league either year. So he's got a, so he doesn't have a ton of mileage on him. So it's just going to take time. But I also think that he needs to get those reps. And I think that Malone may need to work on getting sets specifically for him to do what he does best. Yeah, they. It would be nice if. Uh, I'm sorry. It would be nice if he felt like he didn't have to get pulled every time he made a mistake. Right. I would say the other thing that would be nice is if, like, I think what, especially what Gage is getting at, is like they've they've basically a lot of times have just kind of put Michael Porter Jr. over in the corner on the offense and, and kind of had him stand outside of the action and and you know wait for a kick out. Um, and and so then when he like like Gage says when he does get the ball. Um, you, you can see he wants to shoot it just because he doesn't he doesn't ever seem to get the ball very much. I think the Nuggets do need to to you know try and work him a little bit more into the action and maybe like Gage said set up some sets for him specifically, especially early on. Get that confidence going. He's one of those guys you can tell when if he if he gets his confidence going, he starts seeing some shots going down. He can have potential to have a big night. Um, when he doesn't, when he gets you know when he basically just 
standing over there in the corner. He seems to get a little disengaged. And I think that affects him both on the offense and the defensive side, which a lot is on him. Like, you've got to maintain better mental focus. But, um, you know, young guy, you can you can kind of see where that's coming, especially like you guys were talking about with coming from a, 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 you know, a, a basketball life of being the guy and always being in the rotation and always being the focal point. Uh, to this now, like he's one of those guys. I think you, you really probably, even if it, he doesn't necessarily deserve it, uh, if you want to get the most out of him, you're gonna have to start giving him more responsibility. Yeah, and and also to your point, your previous point, Gage, I think he reminds me more of Jason Tatum right now than he reminds me of Brandon Ingram, just because of that ball handling and playmaking nature. Tatum's a guy who gets to his spots and can fire pretty much from anywhere. That's kind of how I feel about Porter. He's, he's They both have kind of that that tendency to rise from mid-range if, if they're in trouble. Um, with Ingram, he's so fluid. He's so athletic and and just like he's he's at that position where he's basically a 6'9 point guard out there where he's, he's distributing the ball everywhere and can get to his spots off the dribble. And that to me just separates them as players and I like Brandon Ingram coming out of the draft and I was I was pretty surprised that he he didn't figure things out in LA but not glad that he's figuring things out in New Orleans we'll see if it happens with Zion coming back um okay let's let's move on a little bit where we're we're gonna wrap up here pretty soon uh Saturday the Nuggets are playing the Kings is that a trap game Zach yes or no um this is this is tough. You want a quick answer, and I don't have one for you. Uh, I trap game. No, they, the Kings are actually. I mean, they're they're right there, right? I, kind of right at the eight, right or hovering around that eight seed spot, right around five hundred. Um, so I don't necessarily think you can. Uh, you should be overlooking them. Denver also typically struggles in Sacramento. Coach Malone typically struggles with Sacramento. Like this, they they should not be <laughs> yeah. overlooking this game. Gage. Um, I don't think it's a trap game. I think that uh, one big thing they got going for them is, uh, if I remember right, Bagley and Fox are likely going to be out for this game. I think that, and I think that that ultimate, I mean, yeah, that could result in them overlooking them saying, oh, well, they're missing these two guys, so they're going to be down. But I think, like you said, Malone cares about the Sacramento games. They, I mean, yeah, they struggle in Sacramento, but they, they're a good team. They're a good defense. Their defense travels. As we've seen, they they're a good they're a well coached team. I don't think they're gonna. I think they'll get up for the game. I think they'll do just fine. I mean, I thought the the Washington game was more of a look ahead spot to me than Sacramento is. Yeah, I get it's a home game, but Sacramento or Washington had the exact same style of play that the Pelicans did that gave Denver so much trouble three weeks ago. So I think that since they got past the Washington game, I think that they end up going into that Lakers game riding a win streak. You know, the other thing – Yeah, I'm going to go – oh, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing you got to watch out for with, with the Sacramento team that we saw – we saw the emergence of it happen last time these two teams played. Rashawn Holmes, like he, he gave them trouble – in that first game, he's now he basically buckets. yeah I mean he earned the starting job in that last game they played against Denver. He's been starting basically ever since. Um, that guy is someone to look out for that that can give them some trouble. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go the other way on this one from from Gage. I'm I'm gonna peg this one as a major trap game for the following reasons: the Lakers are on the schedule on the third uh, on Tuesday of that following week. Uh, they have had a few. They will have had a few days off. 
uh, after this Washington game. A few days off, got to spend some time with family on Thanksgiving. Going to fly out on a Saturday, take care of a quick wash or take care of a quick Sacramento game before you come back and get ready for the Los Angeles Lakers. You're going to debut your new jerseys. It's going to be exciting. It could be a battle for first place. I think that the Sacramento team could be a a definite trap game. Buddy Hill just put up 40 um, in a game previously. They're pretty good. They even without De'Aaron Fox, even without Marvin Badley, they're still pretty good and. While Gary Harris could certainly shut down Buddy Hield, if if Buddy Hield does go off, that could that could change things really quickly. Okay, uh, Denver versus LA next week. Uh, we won't be able to talk before then. Who you got? Who who do you think? Uh, who do you think takes the Denver versus LA matchup, Zach? Uh that's that's here, right? I'm pretty sure that's in Denver. Yep, yeah, that is here. That's... So I'll give it to the Nuggets uh, on that on that alone. I think the, these teams are pretty close. Um, uh, the the Lakers have some difficulties in that matchup, particularly Nuggets have no one to cover LeBron James, um, which is going to make it tough for him. That'll be another Torrey Craig game, I would guess, uh, off the bench for him. So, though th- at the same point, the Lakers um, will struggle with Nicole Jokic because they're uh, they're not going to want to put Anthony Davis on him, uh, and they're going to, because they want Anthony Davis down low, so they're not going to keep, you figure Jokic should probably operate closer to the perimeter in that game. Um, I would not be surprised to see, oh, who, who's starting for the Lakers at center? Is it JaVale, or is it? I think it's JaVale right now. I, I, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it's JaVale right now. Yeah, so I, if you put JaVale McGee on, um, Nikola Jokic, yeah, he's he's starting. Granny's he's only playing twenty two minutes, and then they're bringing Dwight Howard off the bench. Uh, I I'd take I'd take Jokic against either two of those guys. So it's it, the, I, it's a pretty even matchup. So I'll give I'll give the Nuggets uh, the benefit of the doubt because they're going to be at home. Gage, who you got? Well, one quick thing in regards to you saying that like Jokic can dominate either one of those guys. That's true. I do agree with that. But Jokic also could have eaten the lunch of any center that the Wizards trotted out and he put up eight points. We talked about it, that he's not necessarily doing it. And is is it a guarantee that even if he doesn't, or is it a guarantee that when he has to do it, he can turn it on on next week against the Lakers? Like is that, uh, it, it may not be. It may it's, not it, be, but I, I would have faith. I mean, like, like I, I think like, we've seen. I think times. he can, but I think it's also something that bears worth talking about. And you know that if he struggles at all following Thanksgiving, it's going to be because ESPN said that he's a big fat kid and he doesn't know <laughs> how to eat, put down a fork. Um, but so anyway, I think Denver has the home court advantage. Uh, we, I mean, we've talked that the Lakers fans travel well. They'll make that get, they'll make it difficult. Um, I agree that I don't think anybody can. De- I don't think the Nuggets have anybody that can defend LeBron for an entire game. Um, I honestly think Torrey Craig would do better against Anthony Davis than say Paul Millsap because I don't think Paul Millsap can bang with them for a whole game. Just with the way Davis is playing this year, he's been playing out of his mind. Good. Um, I also, uh, LeBron just hit 33,000 points for those who care. Um, <laughs> fourth person in history. I just got the notification on my phone. I think that Denver is able to come out of that game with a win for one big reason, and that's 
their defense has been so damn good. The Lakers aren't hitting shots from outside. The Nuggets ne aren't necessarily the hottest shooting team, but they can get hot, and they've gotten hot a few times this year, especially for big games. Like, in big games this year, their offense has done well, which is something that I've noticed. Like, against Houston, their offense was good. It was calculated. It wasn't like a super high-scoring game, but it was it was well done. Um, against the Miami Heat, their offense got real hot. I think they'll get up for this game. I think Denver will win the first matchup. I think the Lakers may win the rematch. But I think in in the first game of this set, I think the Nuggets are going to go out and beat the Lakers at home with the New Jerseys on in a likely snowstorm because Denver snows a ton. I'm looking forward to it, guys. It could be a battle for best in the West, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens with the Clippers and Utah and all those other teams. But right now, the Lakers and the Nuggets are at the top. And it could be a battle for first place at that point. And that's encouraging. That's fun. That's that's going to draw a lot of intrigue to this Nuggets team. A lot of people are going to start talking about that. A lot of people are going to enjoy it. That's going to do it for us here at the Denver Stiff Show. Do you guys have any takes before we get out of here? I um I just want to say tell everybody that thank you for uh, for listening, for following, for subscribing to the podcast network. It's been our uh, we're off to our best year ever. So um, we really appreciate you guys. We are very thankful for you guys. And everybody have a happy Thanksgiving out there. It's been um, awesome. It's been great. Gage? I want to say I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of this network and watching this site grow. Um, I wanted to say turkey is overrated. Green bean casserole <laughs> is overrated. Shut your mouth, Gage. sauce is overrated. <laughs> um, oh. But, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, if, and if you have any... Like, if you have any problem with anything that I said on today's show, remember, I'm at NFL on Twitter. Feel free to come talk to me. I respond to every single tag, DM, mention, whatever. I, you could say whatever you want to me. I don't care. I'm always willing to talk to anybody about just about anything. Um, it, was, it was fun being on the show today. Love being here. Love talking to everybody. Also, if you don't get corn on your plate at Thanksgiving, you did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel personally attacked. Coming in hot. Coming in hot with these takes in his debut episode on The Stiff Show. Man, we're going to have you back, Gage. It's been fun to, to chat shit with you. So uh, he is G Bridgeford NFL. I, uh, he is Zach Mikosh, at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. I am Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Again, we are so thankful for our Denver Stiffs listeners and audience. It has been wonderful. It has been a blessing to be a part of this team to be a part of this group i couldn't have asked for a better start to the season doing some great things at denver stiff so keep it tuned in with us and we will see you guys next week happy thanksgiving <laughs>